Hello and welcome to the Recovering from Religion podcast. Our mission here is to offer hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. What follows is the audio from selected videos posted on Recovering from Religion's YouTube channel. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. I have the great pleasure of finally introducing our speaker today. Um, so I'm just going to unmute you, just a sec. Again, bear with me. My first time dealing with, with Zoom is usually um, Eric who does it. And I can't find you in the participant list. Okay. Okay, there you are. Oh, no, you actually unmuted yourself. Oh, perfect. You did the job for me. Thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it came up with an option that said unmute, so I just clicked it. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thank you so much, Taylor. And um, thank you so much for being here today. It's, I'm so, so grateful that you're here. And I feel like the topic of today is something that is not necessarily linked to religion, as we have said before, but it is very relevant because a lot of ex-religious people deal with it. So thank you so, so much for being here. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited about this. Cool. Um, so before we start, I'm just going to uh, let you know a bit about Taylor. So Taylor is passionate about educating the public about um, the dangers of the predatory nature of MLMs. She uh, actually has a YouTube channel built for this purpose, and the YouTube channel is called The Antibot. Uh, we have discussed pronunciation before. This is probably not how you say it, but I have forgotten how to say the way you said it. So just Either bear way. with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, here she debunks videos made by MLMs in which they, they maybe are advertising an MLM or you have, you have also made videos of like the structure of MLMs and how they profit from the vulnerability of people. They do often prey on ex-religious people and also on religious people. So Taylor is basically doing all the work in trying to spread the word of get away from MLMs, they will steal your money. Um, <laughs> they don't actually love you, they just want your money. Um, and then also Taylor wants to build a world where women are truly empowered by owning small businesses who are legitimate and stop the cash flow of these multi-billion dollar um, companies. So yeah, that is, that is Taylor. And I guess the first question would be, what is an MLM? What does it stand for? How is it structured? What is it? So it seems like most people here have uh, heard of MLM before because 91% uh, said that they've heard of it. But I'll just go ahead and explain a little bit of what it is and what it stands for. So MLM stands for multi-level marketing. Sometimes it's also called network marketing or direct sales. Um, an important thing to remember is that direct sales is actually a legitimate sales model, um, unlike network marketing and multi-level marketing. But the MLM industry has kind of co-opted this term and uh, they've used it to kind of describe what they're doing because they want to sound more legitimate. Um, but MLMs, unlike traditional businesses that uh, hire salespeople that are either salaried or they um, have a salary plus commissions, MLMs actually use non-salaried workers uh, to sell their products. Uh, these workers are usually called distributors. Sometimes they're called um, independent business owners or coaches. Um, and MLM companies, there's hundreds of MLM companies out there and they sell a lot of different things. Um, so there's MLMs that sell clothing, um, jewelry, um, there's a lot of health and wellness MLMs that sell things like supplements and essential oils. Um, 
yeah, so there's just tons of different things that they sell, but not only do they sell these products, but they also sell this business opportunity to the general public. So you can buy products from MLMs, but then you can also sign up for their business opportunity and become part of their company. And you purchase products from the company and then resell those to outside customers. And uh, you make a percentage off of any of the products or services that you sell um, to other people. And mm -hmm. what makes it multi-level is that not only can you make money from selling products, but you can actually recruit people into the business under you. And that's referred to as your downline. And you make a percentage off of anything that they sell, um, as well as anything that you sell. And then anyone you recruit in can also recruit people under them and so on and so forth until this giant pyramid-like structure forms. Um, that's why a lot of the time MLMs are referred to as pyramid schemes. Um, there's, they're basically pyramid schemes, although we'll get into more of the legality on that later. Um, and an another important thing is that MLMs usually don't differentiate between sales made to outside customers and purchases that are just made by the distributors. So a lot of MLM companies, they will really encourage their distributors to buy up a lot of product and they'll tell them it's so that they can later resell that. But a lot of the time they don't. And so they just build up all this product. I've heard stories of distributors having an entire room in their house de dedicated just to product, or they'll have a shed that's just has is full of product. So um, yeah, and they don't differentiate between that. So it's hard to tell how much product is being actually sold to people who want to buy it and versus how much product is actually just used by the distributors themselves. But it turns out that it's mostly just from the distributors themselves. And that leads MLMs to being recruitment driven rather than sales driven. And uh, an important thing is the Federal Trade Commission for the United States, they actually define something to be an illegal pyramid scheme if it's recruitment driven rather than sales driven. So under that definition, uh, many MLMs can be defined as illegal pyramid schemes. But of course, we've seen in the U.S. that um, there's tons of MLMs, right? And it doesn't seem like really anything's been done about them. Uh, we'll see time every so often um, the FTC will crack down on one of the smaller MLMs and uh, call them a pyramid scheme. But a lot of the big ones like... Amway, Young Living, doTERRA, they're, they're still alive and doing well. And that has a lot to do with the fact that um, the MLM industry actually has a lobbyist group that represents them. Um, it's called the Direct Selling Association. And this lobbyist group is very large and has a lot of money behind it. And they've actually successfully lobbied out a lot of uh, the regulations that would have protected consumers from MLMs. Uh, so just as an example, a few years ago, there was going to be a legislation that was going to um, be put into place that would have required MLMs to come out with income disclosures. So the, the income disclosures um, show how much people are making and how much people are losing in the company. And this legislation would have actually required that MLMs produce this. Now, a lot of MLMs do produce this, but it's not because it's required by law, but it's because uh, just public pressure, they feel like they have to. Um, but the DSA like successfully knocked down this legislation and um, 
that's not a requirement for MLMs. Another thing they did was um, there was a piece of legislation that would have required the Department of Defense to create this training program for military members and their spouses to learn about the risks associated with MLMs, which would have been really important because uh, MLMs prey on military spouses a lot because uh, military wives tend to not be able to have a job because they're constantly moving around with their husband. So this would have, it, it seems very enticing for military wives because it seems like uh, a business that they can do from their home. So uh, there would have been a um, training program that would have taught uh, military members and their spouses about the risks associated with MLMs, but unfortunately, uh, the DSA knocked that down. Um, and so it's kind of interesting that we're actually talking about this tonight, considering that the U.S. elections are tomorrow, um, because there is a lot of... Um, influence that MLMs have over our politicians, especially those in the Republican, um, especially those that are Republican. Uh, just as an example, Donald Trump, who is our current president, and I hope not our future president, but he is our current president. Um, he was actually involved with two MLMs. So he was involved with a supplements company um, called, it was originally called Ideal Health. And then when he took it over and gave uh, his branding to it, they renamed it the Trump Network and they sold supplements. And then he was also involved with a company called ACN. And he uh, did a lot of speeches for this company. And um, he just did a lot of promotion stuff for them. Uh, he actually promoted them on The Apprentice several times. Uh, so he's had a lot of involvement with MLMs. And then Amway, which is the largest MLM company in the world, they have uh, given tons to uh, the Republican Party. In 1994, they actually contributed two and a half million dollars uh, to the Republican National Committee, and that was the largest corporate contribution at that time. Um, and they also sponsored uh, House Representative Sue Myrick back in the 90s. Um, they constituted over half of her campaign funds. And then also Betsy DeVos, who we know is our Secretary of Education, her family actually made all of their money um, in MLMs. Her husband was the CEO of Amway, and his father uh, actually founded Amway. So yeah, MLMs are very, very prevalent and um, they have a lot of involvement in our government and that's why we still, still see them around today. That's incredible. That is crazy. I mean, I yeah. had no idea that politics were so involved, especially when you said Donald Trump. I mean, I feel like I'm surprised, but not, but because I don't know, he's just so, well, I, I don't want to comment on that man because he's just no, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be nice things coming from me, but uh, that is crazy. I didn't know that politics were so involved in yeah. you know the management of of MLMs. I guess that it makes sense in a way that they're giving so much money so they can still be in power and pass through all of these legislation. Legis and the lack of regulations also. So Taylor, they don't. There's is there a way to know like how much between all of them is being produced since they don't have to disclose that information. Uh, can you ask that question again? I'm sorry. Do we know like how much uh, actually they actually make in the MLMs since they don't have to disclose those statements? Is that information that can be obtained or like a ballpark or anything like that? 
Yeah. So most of the large MLM companies, they do come out with income disclosures just because of all the pressure that they face from the public. Um, like I said, it's not a regulation that they do that. Um, when we look at their income disclosures, like you can just Google, like, for example, Young Living Income Disclosure, and you should be able to find their 2019 uh, income disclosure statement. And I think for them, it was over 90%, I think, of those in their company made $0 in the year of 2019. Um, but that number is probably not accurate. There was a really comprehensive study that was conducted back in 2011 by this guy named John M. Taylor. He uh, looked at uh, over 350 different MLMs and uh, looked at them for over a period of 15 years. And he analyzed their income disclosures and how their company operated. And he actually found that over 99.6% of everyone involved in MLM either doesn't make any money or actually loses money. And uh, you can find this information if you just Google like FTC MLM, it should come up and you should be able to find this study. But yeah, almost 100% of people aren't making money. That's nuts. And can you share what your personal interest, what your story with MLMs is, how you're so passionate about it? Yeah, yeah. So as you can see, I'm very um, anti-MLM. I'm very passionate about sharing the dangers of this. So um, my story actually starts a while back. Um, I think it was six or seven years ago now. Um, Drew and I, who Drew's my husband, um, we had a very close family member get involved with Young Living. And uh, Young Living is an MLM that sells essential oils. They've been around for, I think, over 20 years. And their whole shtick is that um, they believe, or not, well, a lot of them do believe, but they claim that essential oils can be used medicinally at a uh, instead of using modern medicine, everyone should just be able to cure themselves by using these oils. That's something that the company now doesn't necessarily say, but um, most of the people, like the founder, for example, really believe this. Most of the people that work for Young Living believe this and all their distributors believe it, um, but they're not allowed to make any medical claims anymore because a few years ago, the FDA sent them a warning letter about that. But it it's important to know that a lot of them do think that essential oils can be used medicinally. But anyways, yeah. So we had a family member who got involved with this company um, and they wanted Drew and I to get involved and they wanted to put us in their downline. Um, so at first Drew and I were not really, I had never heard of MLMs before. I had no idea what multi-level marketing was. I had never heard of Young Living. Um, I didn't really know anything about essential oils. So when they said that they wanted to put us in their downline and uh, they wanted us to be able to have a Young, li young Living business too, um, I didn't really think that much of it. Um, and they told us that if we joined Young Living, that eventually we'd be making enough money from the business to be able to pay off our student loans, which was something that was really, really important to Drew and I at the time because um, we were about to graduate from college. Um, so at first, we, we didn't really think much of it. Um, initially, we, how they presented it to us is that once Drew and I graduated college, we would take over our business and then run it. But then, but up until that time, uh, they would run the business for us so that we could start, like we could focus on college. And so 
we were pretty much on board with this. And uh, while we were in college, we didn't really like think that much of it. But after a couple years, um, the claims that our family members started making about the oils started to get really, really weird and bizarre. At first, they were pretty much just claiming things like, oh, if you put peppermint oil on your head, if you have a headache, that will help. Or if you um, put some like grapefruit oil into your water, it'll help you like maintain weight. It was just kind of things that aren't claims that aren't necessarily good, but there wasn't anything that was that dangerous about them. But then they started saying things like essential oils could cure diabetes, that essential oils could cure things like cancer. Um, At one point they had, I can't remember if it was a family member or a close friend of theirs that was in the hospital with a brain tumor. And they actually went to the hospital and put a bunch of frankincense oil on their head because they believed that that would get rid of their brain tumor. Um, So they just really started to believe that oils could cure anything. They also started claiming that oils were purposely left here on the earth by God because he gave us these tools for us to be able to heal our own bodies. And they started interweaving their Christian faith into the business, which was kind of weird. They said things like the U.S. government is actively suppressing information about the medical uses of essential oils, especially for cancer, because they want to keep making money from modern cancer treatments. Um, And they thoroughly believed that they were one day going to be a millionaire um, from just working their MLM business. And that eventually Young Living was going to be sending them a check in the mail for a million dollars. So the the claims just started getting more and more bizarre. And one day I kind of sat down with Drew and I was like, you know what, this is starting to get a little strange. I think that we should look into Young Living on our own, research into multi-level marketing and see what's really, really going on here. Um, So when I researched into it, I found a lot of very shocking things. So I found the John M. Taylor study that shows uh, most people in MLMs don't make any money. I also found information about the founder of Young Living. His name is Gary Young. I found that he had actually been arrested several times for um, operating a medical practice without a doctor's license. Um, And because of that, he actually moved his clinic to Tijuana, Mexico, where the regulations weren't as stringent as the U.S. Um, Yeah, um, I found that like all of the claims surrounding Young Living and their oils, that none of that was substantiated by any sort of scientific evidence. Um, Which, yeah. Sorry, just to, just to ask a very stupid question. How do you make an essential oil? And I know this is like really silly, but since homeopathy is like, I think one bit of, I don't know, whatever, and then 10 of water, like a mixture of those things. I'm not sure if essential oils are kind of, kind of the same or how... How do you make one? I don't know. It's confusing. So from my understanding, um, it, the essential oils are like oil that's inside of a plant. So there's some sort of way to extract oil from it and then distill it in some sort of method. So it's like basically mm-hmm. the super concentrated essence of a plant. I think that's that's all I know of how they do that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's all right. I was just a bit confused because everyone, everyone who likes essential oils, I feel like they talk about it like it's magic and they can solve any issues, as you said, cancer, 
yeah. or you know can whatever I, it may can be. I interject here. So homeopathy is different because homeopathy is actually magic. It's actually diluting a substance to there is nothing left of it and then claiming it's the most efficient at that dose. So yeah, that's not the same as essential oils. Mm. Yeah, okay. essential oils are like super, super concentrated and then homeopathy, they like dilute things in water till like it doesn't exist, right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of, all of this yeah. stuff was getting really weird. So Drew and I decided, you know, hey, this is not looking good. And we decided not to join uh, Young Living. And um, that's kind of when we started both getting very passionate about talking MLMs. And also, interestingly, our experience with MLMs kind of started both of us on our road to uh, deconstructing from Christianity because a lot of the claims that MLMs like to use are very, very similar to the claims used in Christianity. And we saw how important it was to derive truth from uh, scientific evidence rather than just from unvalidated claims. So yeah, luckily we decided not to join. Oh, that's great. And I want to say you touched on how MLMs uh, target like stay-at-home moms, et cetera. You said also just now that it kind of tipped you over into not believing, but does that also mean that they would target religious people because of that similar framework that they have? Yeah, so MLMs disproportionately target religious people. And part of that is because a lot of MLMs are, uh, have been founded or are run by either Christians or by Mormons. Um, actually, the majority of uh, MLM companies are headquartered in Utah, which is the Center for Mormonism. Um, so yeah, they, they really um, target religious people. And a lot of that is because there's similar claims that are being made um, in both. So MLMs really, they promote their opportunity as like this life-changing thing. Like you're going to be able to change your life. And it's like this dream opportunity. And it's almost, almost a salvation narrative, which is really similar to Christianity. And they also kind of sell it as if you decide not to join an MLM, uh, then your life is going to be horrible. You're never going to make any money. You're going to just be living in destitute and um, working a nine to five job, which to MLMs apparently is like the worst thing ever. Uh, so with, that's really similar to the narratives that um, Christianity likes to sell with, uh, if you leave, leave Christianity, your life is just going to turn horrible and uh, God's going to turn, turn his back from you. So there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, a couple of years ago when I left uh, uni, I remember an MLM approached me, although I didn't know that it was an MLM at that time. And it was basically, a, you know, the business, it was like a business pitch kind of thing in which I had to pay 50 something quid to get like her products or something. And in my head, I was like, there's no way I should be asked to pay to be able to do a job like that makes no sense. But obviously it's like, it, they, they're so like strategic in preying on people who are vulnerable, as you said, like as religious people, people who just left uni, people who maybe just moved into a new city and they don't have any friends or they don't have a community. So yeah, I feel like they, they do it in purpose so much. Yeah. It's just Immigrants so bad. Yeah. And can you say, can you tell us though, Taylor, what, how should we, how can we avoid an MLM? Are there any tips you can give us so that we don't fall prey to this? 
Yeah. So there's a lot of things that people can look out for. So usually um, people hear about MLMs through their friends and family because uh, when someone joins an MLM, they're immediately told to start recruiting people in. And who do they recruit? They recruit their people that are closest to them. They recruit their friends and their family. So I'm sure the majority of people here have probably been messaged on social media by a long lost friend or by a family member asking them to join their business opportunity. Um, so if you get any sort of messages about something like that, so something that's uh, where they use the terms business opportunity or they say something like, I have an exciting opportunity for you. That should be a red flag because um, that's probably an MLM. Uh, also, if they can't describe to you what exactly um, it is that you'll be doing in the company, if they just say, oh, I, would I think you would be really good at running the business that I run. But then when you ask them, what is the business or what is it exactly that I would be doing or what is it that I would be selling? If they're super vague about that, that should be a red flag as well because um, a lot of MLMs actually tell their reps to not tell people what the name of the company is because MLMs get such a bad rap. So they try to kind of like keep that a secret. Um, yeah, so any of those red flags, a lot of the time to... MLMs will post like a job listing to um, websites and it can appear super legitimate. But um, if they're, if you click on that job listing and then every, all the information seems really vague. So they can't tell you exactly how much your salary is going to be. And if they're vague about what the company is or the job you're going to be doing, that's probably an MLM. Um, so yeah, any of those red flags. Yeah, those are great tips. I was approached years ago by a coworker just randomly about an exciting opportunity. And you know, I also didn't know what an MLM was at the time, but it just didn't make a lot of sense. And it was just kind of an awkward, no, I'm not really interested. And he just kept reaching out, like making cold calls. It, it's just very uncomfortable. So- It what sounds like a cult. It does. What could we do though, if someone that we know is, is already involved in, in an MLM, is there anything that we can do or something that we shouldn't say to them? Yeah, so first off, going off of something that you mentioned, because you mentioned how they kept on reaching out to you, that's something that's very typical in an MLM. Um, they are taught to not take no for an answer. So even if, you, if you're approached by a friend and uh, you tell them no, they'll most likely in a couple weeks message you about it again. That's just kind of uh, what they do. Um, so if you know, this is specifically for if you have a friend or a family member involved with an MLM, um, an important thing is to just be there for them because MLMs like to uh, isolate their members from anyone who might be critical of the business model. Um, because they don't want their members hearing any dissenting information. So more likely than not, if you have a friend or family member involved, um, they might just start distancing themselves from you um, because their MLM told them to. But you want to make sure that you are not uh, cutting off that relationship with them because you might be the only voice of reason. You might be the only one who is going to help them out of the MLM. So yeah, just making sure that you're there for them. 
also ask them a lot of questions about why they're joining because a lot of the time people have very um because mlms like to prey on people that are vulnerable and they'll uh use kind of your emotions against you and use things that are really important to you against you. And so a lot of the time people will join MLMs because they're in a desperate situation or they, they really need money or something like that. So figuring out why they joined initially can be helpful because then um, you can help them figure out how they can meet that need without being involved with the MLM. So if they're needing extra cash maybe you can work with them to figure out a way they can do like an actual legitimate uh, side job instead of the MLM to get that extra cash. Um, and then also the final thing would be ask them to keep a spreadsheet of uh, their income versus expenses because a lot of people actually don't keep track of how much they're spending for the MLM, how much product they're buying, how much training materials they're, they're buying. And so even if they're getting a small check from the MLM, they may not realize that uh, they had all these expenses um, that they didn't account for and overall they're actually losing money. So encouraging them to keep track of the money they're spending versus how much they're actually making can be really helpful. Mm -hmm. And what about for those who maybe joined to make money, but now they're staying because of the community? Because I've seen a few videos, and obviously you can correct me if I'm wrong, but where they kind of meet in this massive event, and it mm -hmm. does feel like they're there for the community, and it does feel like they, they feel like they're part of a family, and, you know, all of these emotional kind of ties to the group, rather than just, you know, I'm just making my business. It's actually something more emotional than that. Um, so any advice on how to help someone who maybe is in that like emotional dependability almost? Yeah. So that, that's another thing is that MLMs, because they try to isolate you from anyone that doesn't agree, they kind of make it so that your entire community and your friend group is all of your people, all of the people that are in the MLM with you. And so you feel like you have this sense of community. Um, but the problem is, is if you ever express any doubts about the MLM, those people will turn against you very, very quickly. Um, and they will discourage you from doubting. And if you ever decide to leave the MLM, those people more likely than not will probably not remain friends with you. And this isn't always the case. I know of people who are still friends with people that they were friends with in an MLM, but it is very, very typical for, uh, those friendships to be very much predicated on being in the MLM. So if you know someone who realizes that they're not making money, but they want to stay in it for the community aspect, I would just remind them of, or I would just ask them if they feel like these people would still be friends with them if they weren't involved and how much this, uh, how, how, ask them if they've like left friends or family that they used to be friends with um, prior and tell them that they can possibly reconnect with these old people instead of just being friends with people in, in the MLM. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like what you're saying is reminding me a lot of a talk we had about Jehovah's Witnesses, where if you leave the Jehovah's, Win the Jehovah's Witnesses, like they, they shun you and they don't like they stop talking to you and they stop like communicating with you all together. So I feel like it's 
it really does sound like a religion. Like apart from the yeah. joke, it does sound like it's structured like a religion is structured almost, yeah. which is very creepy. Um, so just to get an idea, how many people are affected by MLMs? Like how many people join them? Because we all have maybe that like family member or friend that is in an MLM, but sometimes it's, it's difficult to count how many people there are because obviously they're not very transparent, are they? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was actually a study that was conducted by the AARP Foundation and they found that one in seven people in the United States have been involved with a multi-level marketing company. So a large majority of people have been involved. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a lot more than I expected. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think part of that, why it's such a large number of people is that people get involved with things like this for a couple months and then they end up quitting. So yeah, just a lot of, there's a lot of turnover in this. So it ends up being a lot of people involved. Mm -hmm. And is there any way in which they target specifically religious people or ex-religious people? Because I've heard that, um, obviously, well, I mean, you said before that because they, they tie to the Bible and kind of that kind of stuff. Is there, if there's anyone who is religious who is listening to us, is there anything that they should be aware of more so than maybe another demographic group? Um, I think that they should just be aware of the fact that the MLM is using their faith against them. Uh, so a lot of the times when an MLMer is trying to, if, if, if an MLMer is um, a, a person of faith, they'll try to recruit other people in by saying things like, uh, this is God's plan for your life, or uh, this is um, how you can... Uh, better your relationship with Christ is by owning this business and helping other people uh, change their lives through this business. Um, so they'll say a lot of things like that. So just be aware of the fact that this isn't them genuinely caring about you or in the end, this is about getting you to join so that they can make money off of you. This isn't about them really just uh, caring so much about you and wanting like you to, um, sorry, now I'm drawing, drawing a blank. Uh, yeah, this That's isn't right. about them actually caring about you or caring about your faith. Hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, as you said before, was it 99% of people don't make any money in MLM? So obviously the chances are against you. So imagine that you are watching this and then you discover, um, oh God, I am in an MLM. <laughs> what, do, what should they do? You know, they just have this realization because I'm not sure if living is just as easy as saying, okay, bye, I don't want to be a part of it anymore. If there's any tips that you can give them, um, yeah, anything that people could find helpful. Um, I would say there's never really a good time to leave an MLM. Um, because you're going to get backlash from uh, the other people that are in the MLM with you, there's going to be backlash. So um, now is a good a time as any to get out if you feel like that's something that you want to do. Um, I don't ever want to force people to leave because ultimately that needs to be their own decision. But moving forward, just examine clo more closely whether or not you're actually making money doing this, if this is something that's worth your time, because MLMs like to say that um, 
you can work this business part-time and make supplemental income, but a lot of the time that's not true. So just examine if the amount of time you're putting into this, if, if it's actually worth it. And if you're not wanting to leave right now, maybe put a cutoff date in the future of uh, when you could leave and hold yourself accountable to that. So if in three months you're still not making any money, then that's the time you decide to leave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great tip to be honest, because I feel like it gives you perspective of, you know, I've spent this much money. I've spent X amount of time in this place. Let's just leave by this date. So yeah, thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and then is there, any way in which an MLM, as far as you know, can do actual legitimate ethical business, or is that a mythological creature? Um, I would say that's a mythological creature. <laughs> okay. um, because of the way that MLM structured, there's not really any way that it can be ethical because the only way to make money in an MLM is by recruiting people into the company. Um, and statistically speaking, those people aren't gonna make any money. Cause like we said, 99.6% of people don't make any money. So if someone in an MLM is successful, it's only because they have hundreds, possibly thousands of people under them that aren't successful. So the way that an MLM is structured, in my opinion, there's no way to do that ethically. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Um, and in the very, very unlikely case scenario in which you have a friend or family member which is making a lot of money because maybe they are in the top bits of the MLM. Again, very, very unlikely. Would you recommend talking, talking them out of the MLMs or do you feel like it's better to leave them in? <laughs> so that's kind of a tricky question. Um, Cause I, I don't think that like talking someone out of an MLM or talking someone out of a cult. And uh, another thing I should mention is that MLMs get called cults a lot. And uh, cult psychologists actually define MLMs as commercial cults because uh, they use a lot of cult tactics. Um, I, so I think that talking someone out of a high demand group like an MLM usually doesn't work. And especially with someone who is at the top and is actually making money in this business it's kind of hard to persuade them out of it. So I would just kind of go back to the recommendations that I gave before for anyone that's in an MLM, um, just be there for them and uh, ask them questions about it and get to why they're trying to do it or ask them questions that might make them think about what they're doing or like questions like, oh, how many people have you recruited under you? So that they can kind of start thinking about the fact that they have hundreds of people under them that aren't making any money. Um, and yeah, just questions like that uh, are good. Um, but yeah, talking someone out of it is kind of a difficult thing. Yeah, especially if they're making a lot of money, I guess. Yeah. Obviously, they're not going to be like, oh, sure, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me give up all my money and my source of income. <laughs> like, obviously, that's not going to happen. So yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, and is there any other way of calling an MLM an MLM without calling it that. So for example, if, um, I don't know, like an organization, I don't know, hasn't been classified as an MLM, but works essentially like an MLM, is there a word for that? Is there like another acronym that people use? Maybe there isn't, and it's just like universally MLM, but just in case. Um, 
So I'm not sure if there would be another acronym for it. Um, some companies don't like to say that they're MLMs just because MLMs have such a bad reputation. Uh, but people also refer to it as network marketing or direct sales. So if you encounter someone that's using either of those terms or if a company or organization that you're in is using those terms, it's most likely that they're an MLM. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, yeah. Um, and then someone in the comments, it wasn't a direct question, which is what I'm gonna ask you here instead of the Q&A, but they were curious about the quote unquote dark side of MLMs in sense of like the political ties and the kind of who is behind it. And I know you touched on this at the beginning with Trump and other Republicans. Mm -hmm. Is there any other um, people that we should be aware of that you know of? of, you know, political parties or, I don't know, anyone who is in power, really. It could also be celebrities, to be honest, who are involved in MLMs. Yeah, so the ones that I mentioned, um, those are kind of the main ones. I, I think the people that we really need to be wary of are the politicians that are have connections to the MLM industry, people like Donald Trump or people like Betsy DeVos, because they're going to have a vested interest in keeping MLMs unregulated. So I think that's where a lot of, I guess, the dark side can be found because politicians, they are the people that are making the regulations for us. They're the people that are making the laws. So if we have politicians that have been persuaded by MLMs to go lenient on MLMs, then we're not going to see any change or uh, there's not going to be, um, yeah, there's not going to be any made to the regulations surrounding MLMs. So that's kind of where I see more of the dark side. Uh, there have been a lot of celebrities that have started MLMs. I think the ones that I know of off the top of my head are Tyra Banks and Black China. I know they okay. both <laughs> have started MLM companies and um, a lot of celebrities are paid by MLM companies to endorse their products. So we can, that's kind of a dangerous area too. Yeah, I've seen a lot of um, celebrities endorsing, not MLMs specifically, but like um, teas that basically make you just mm. shit more and stuff like that, that <laughs> is not like based on any scientific evidence. And it's so dangerous because they have so much power over obviously their their audience. So it's just, it can be so devastating. I feel like if, I don't know, if someone that I admire could be like, oh, buy this thing, I wouldn't even think you know, they're probably lying to me or this is not based on yeah. real stuff. So yeah. That's yeah. I think horrible. that's definitely something that happens is we see these really well-known people that we look up to and they're endorsing these products. Um, so we don't think that there's anything questionable, questionable about it, but the reality is they're being paid by these companies to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, so how is it possible that MLMs are still legal and i know you said that they have this um i don't remember the name but this kind of like organization that kind of takes care of it but mm -hmm. isn't the law supposed to be and maybe i'm being naive here but isn't the law supposed to be above that how come this is like a thing because they're basically a pyramid scheme which is illegal but yeah they operate i don't know it's just strange how, how is that possible so kind of like the things that I've already mentioned, just how much influence they have over our politics is really the main reason that MLMs are still around. Um, because we have the organization, uh, Direct Selling Association, pouring lots of money into this to making sure that the MLM industry is unregulated. But then also MLMs 
when they're defining sales, they kind of obscure their, those numbers so that it can appear as though they're selling a lot of product to actual outside customers, but that's actually most likely product that's staying within the organization itself. And it's just product that's being bought up by distributors and not actually sold to real customers. So I think that they, they hide those real, um, sales numbers. And so it can appear as though this is a, a legitimate company and there's sales being made, but in reality, that's not happening. And in reality, it's all about recruiting. So MLMs go really out of their way to influence our politics and to also hide what they're truly about. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. makes perfect sense. Um, is there anything, Madeline, that you want to ask Taylor? Because I feel like I can't think of any more questions for now, but yes, yes, it's a question. It was uh, in the chat, or it's a question that's come up. Do you worry, Taylor, about being sued by any of these companies by being so aggressive in your anti-MLM? That is something that I do worry about for sure. I think because I'm still kind of a small voice in the anti-MLM community. Um, kind of a relatively small voice. I, I don't worry about that right now, but um, in the future, if I um, gain more of a following and MLM companies notice me talking bad about them, that is something to be concerned about. But at the end of the day, I'm more concerned with uh, educating the public about these dangers. So even if these companies are going to come after me, I'm going to still doing what I'm doing because I think what I'm doing is the truth. And I think it's upon, it's on the MLM companies to show that they're actually legitimate. That's not up to me. So it's something I'm worried about, but it's not changing my opinion or uh, going to change what I'm going to do in the future. That's admirable. And thank you really so much for being here and for sharing all this information. Where can we find you online? Yeah, so my channels, the Antibot. So if you just search the Antibot, uh, you'll find my channel there. I'm also on Twitter at the Antibot. Great. So that's YouTube and Twitter. Awesome. Was there anything that we didn't ask you or anything else you wanted to add? Um, I think that I'll just add, just because we've been talking so much about um, MLMs and religious people, I do want to make it a point that ex-religious people can also be targeted too by MLMs um, because uh, MLMs like to advertise that they're a community and that you can uh, join this business and make all these friends and have all these people supporting you. And as we know for the case for a lot of people that are re leaving religion, um, they oftentimes find themselves without community because they're leaving their church community they had before or they're ostracized by their friends and family. So MLMs can pick up on that and they might, may target people that are deconverting because they're looking for community. Um, so that's just something to look out for, for ex-religious people. Mm -hmm. I mean, checking the, the uh, poll that we, that we uh, shared before, to the question of have you ever been involved in an MLM, 27% said yes, which looks like it's not a lot, but it is a lot because I mean, 27% is, it is a big number and yeah. out of, uh, well, and the next question of if you were in an MLM, did you make any money? The same percent said no. 
so clearly like probably um obviously there, there could be there could be a mistake here but chances are nobody who is yeah. <laughs> listening to us and voted in Apple made any money so uh, yeah they can definitely they can definitely target actually use people obviously sure. praying their vulnerability um and we also had a, another talk in RFR about how to avoid getting into other cult-like organizations, not exclusively MLMs, but right after you leave religion, obviously you may not be in the best position. So I feel like it, it kind of ties really well with that because yeah, they just, they make so much money. They pray so much on vulnerable people and it's so like not talked about enough. I feel like it's just yeah. something that everyone is like, oh yeah, that weird friend that is like selling essential oils when it's like a really, really bad thing. And I was also really surprised about how many different things they can sell um, so Dr. Ray, before the session, he was telling us that they were selling knives in one of the MLMs. So it's not like, it's not just exclusively, you know, essential oils or hair products. They can sell like literally anything, which is just really scary. Yeah, it can be literally anything. <laughs> if a product exists, it's likely that an MLM exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just to close with the, with the last question of the poll. 82% know someone who has been in an MLM. So again, just to reiterate the amount of people that are involved in an MLM, 82% is a lot of people. Um, so yeah, just, just to share that with you all. Um, so is, is there anything else you want to talk about before we jump to the Q&A? No, I think we covered everything. Perfect, okay. Then I'm just gonna go ahead and ask you the first question that we have from our audience and is that is the church in any way oh sorry no let me reread that again is the church a way in which they market so not just i guess this means not just like religious people but like actually going to church and trying to sell the stuff there um so i'm sure that there are churches that um actually will set up booths for these MLMs to sell. Um, I haven't like seen that, but I'm sure that's something that exists. But just because there's so many uh, Christians in MLMs, a lot of the time the selling, the word of mouth selling happens at church. So it could just be people um, after the service is over just talking and they'll just mention their MLM company and ask their friend to get involved. Uh, so they're very much prevalent within the church uh, community itself. So um, that, yeah, that's one way, one place that people can find it. Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Um, there's another question that's sort of a follow-up of your fear of being sued for your videos. Have you gotten any feedback, good or bad, for as a result of your videos? So far, it's been mostly positive, thankfully. Um, I have had a couple of MLMers come over to my channel and kind of leave hate messages. Um, but luckily, that's been few and far between so far. I know that as I grow as a channel, that's probably going to become a lot more. But thankfully, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> that's great. Um, and is the church economically related to the MLM? So is there any secret influences that we should be aware of, like in the same way you talked about celebrities and politicians, is any church kind of strongly involved with, with an MLM? Um, not that I know of, although I would, wouldn't be surprised if that is the case, but I, I don't know of any specific church that is financially tied to an MLM. 
Mm -hmm. All right, that, that's fine. Um, there's another um, question here. It's which strategies should we be aware of? So which strategies as in? I guess if um, I'll add some meaning here, if someone is trying to recruit you into their downstream. Um, so kind of like the things that I had already discussed. So if they are using the terms business opportunity, that should be um, kind of your a red flag for you. Um, if they also try to all of a sudden get really, really close to you and foster a relationship with you kind of out of the blue, I, that can be a red flag. I don't want to say that's the case all the time, but a lot of the time uh, MLMers will try to create a friendship with a potential prospect first because they feel like becoming friends is a better way to pitch them the opportunity. Um, so yeah, either of those things are, are strategies that are used a lot. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and does capitalism depend in MLM in some way? Um, I'm not sure if I understand fully the question, but it was submitted for in the audience, so you can probably uh, let us know. So sorry, repeat the question. The, so the question is, does capitalism depend on MLMs in some way? So I guess... I guess it comes from this idea that because MLMs are so big and they have such a massive, massive uh, cash flow, if you believe that just the whole capitalistic system kind of depends on MLMs, so in the sense that if they just disappear from one day to another, capitalism oh, okay. would be um, hurt by it, I guess? Oh, okay, I understand the question now. Um, yeah, I think uh, that that can definitely be the case, especially if, uh, for the state of Utah. Uh, the MLM industry is actually the second largest industry in Utah. So if the MLM industry were to all of a sudden disappear, that would obviously put Utah in some turmoil and the United States at large, probably. So there is that problem. Unfortunately, there's nothing that we can really do about that now because MLMs have exist existed for so long. Ideally, um, it would have been better to never build an economy based on multi-level marketing, um, based on such an unstable model. But uh, yeah, there are cases where um, capitalism and the economy is has been built on MLMs, which is dangerous and a hard thing to figure out what to do about. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, if I may, there's another question on, have you ever watched on Becoming a God in Central Florida? No, Please. I've heard of that show. I have not watched that one yet, but it is something that I want to watch. It's Hopefully on Showtime, I, I understand. It's on what? On Showtime. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully you'll be able to make a video of it after. Uh, yeah, so I just yeah. actually uh, finished The Vow. Um, and that's on HBO. It's about a multi-level marketing company called Nexium. I'm sure you guys have probably seen it a bit in the news, but the, this company was actually found to be a human trafficking ring. So I just finished The Vow, which is a whole documentary about that, which was super interesting. Wow. That's like really, really dark. It's not even, yeah. it's not just like a bit illegal. It's like proper, proper bad. That's just yeah. next level. And it right. shows you that what these MLM companies can devolve to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess anything with that system can evolve into really into something really, really bad. So yeah, that makes it, it weirdly makes sense. Um, so we only have one last question. So if anyone has any questions to add, please do it in the next 
minutes, two minutes. Um, so are Tupperware and Mary Kay MLMs? Tupperware and Mary Kay are both MLMs. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. A lot of people don't actually realize that those two companies are MLMs, but they definitely are. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I mean, I knew that Mary Kay was, but I didn't know that Tupperware was because I, I think my mom buys from Tupperware. <laughs> I need to go like yeah, ask her if she does. I'm pretty sure that Tupperware actually like sells in store too. Um, I think that I, I'm pretty sure I, I might need to double check that, but yeah. So it's like, you don't have to buy it through like an MLM rep. You can just buy the product, but then they also do have reps for Tupperware. Okay. So supporting well, the business enough. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So is there anything, oh wait, there's a last minute question. What, an, what are your thoughts on an, an MLM who offers direct sales and whose products you like and buy regularly? So, yeah, so let's imagine that you happen to enjoy the products that the MLM buy, do you think, uh, that they sell, sorry, do you think it is ethical to buy from them? Personally, I don't think it's ethical. Um, and that's because even though you're not involved with the MLM company, uh, you are purchasing from a company that overwhelmingly um, oppresses the people that are involved with it. Uh, and you're kind of supporting that model of taking advantage of people and uh, financially ruining people and emotionally ruining people. So for me, I personally don't think it's ethical. I, I do know people who still buy the products, but um, for me, I, I don't think it's something that we should do. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and again, I, I feel like I'm saying this is the last question, like 50, 100,000 times, but there is another question. <laughs> um, I, is there a good, a sorry, uh, Dr. Ray, yeah? Yeah, I tried to put it up there, but I couldn't get it. And that's the notion of a sunk cost fallacy. I haven't heard her talk about sunk cost fallacy and how that keeps people in because they're, they've got such a big investment. Can you talk a little bit about that, Taylor? Yeah, I think that's definitely a thing that happens because uh, people do invest so much money into building their MLM business and they feel like they've spent uh, so much money on product, uh, they've invested so much of their time, they've built such a community around this that they feel like even though they're not making any money, they have to stay in the company because they've invested so much into it. So that's definitely something that happens for sure. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break out just next month or the next month or the next right. month or the next year. There's always that myth that I'm about to break break into the big time. Yeah, and that's All something right, that thanks. MLMs tell their reps is that oh, even though you're not making money right now, if you just work at it for another month, if you just put in that extra work for a little bit longer, eventually you're gonna be making money. And they do that to keep people in, knowing that they'll probably never that will probably never happen for them. So yeah, that's something that definitely happens. Mm -hmm. So if someone is doing like a pitch of an MLM to you, is there any nice friendly way in which you can kind of tell them that what they're doing is unethical and that they're probably not actually making any money and that they probably won't? Is there any like tips that you can give if someone, you know, approach one of our, one of our audience members? Yeah, I kind of take a different approach depending on who it is that's coming to me. So if I get a cold message from somebody that I've never met and I don't know, I can, I usually feel that I can be a little bit more harsh with them. So 
I, I usually say like uh, MLMs are actually pretty unethical and the majority of people involved uh, don't make any money. And so I'd prefer to not join your company. Um, but if it's a friend or a family member, I, I suggest to people to take kind of a more softer approach with it. Um, yeah, so just saying like, hey, you know, I, I appreciate that you think that this is something important, but I actually don't support MLMs. And if you want to talk further with me about that, I'm open to that. Um, so taking more of a softer approach with friends or family, I suggest because I feel like when people are just like throwing a bunch of facts and figures at their family member or friend, um, usually that person shuts down pretty quickly and isn't open to hearing what you have to say. So I think a softer approach with them is better. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Kind of like being assertive, not waste their time, but also don't be an asshole, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's a that's a good question to uh, close the the session with. I know there's a couple of more questions, but you guys will be able to ask Taylor hopefully if you stay for a little bit uh, in the hangout session. Which, um, are you going to stay for a bit or do you have to rush out? Um, yeah, I think I'll probably be able to stay for like 15 or 20 minutes. That's great. Thank you so, so much. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, Healing, and Support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There, you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering From Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering From Religion podcast.